0: So this is one of those mornings that I woke up and uh, have my notes out in front of me, and they're printed off my copy machine, and so I had to write a half a new one this morning. And uh, if you know me at all, I don't like doing it because, uh, well, I'm kind of comfortable looking at my notes. And every once in a while, God just says, eh, can I put those aside just a little bit? So we are going to come to them eventually. But you know, this morning, I just want to have a little bit of a conversation with everyone. So what are we going to have a conversation about? I'm glad you asked. You know, Red Arbach, if anybody knows who Red Arbach was, he was one of the greatest coaches, I think, that ever lived. Uh, he spoke much about leadership uh, he loved his guys that he coached, but he had a phrase that was very well known to him and his players, guys, we got to get back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. And what he would say is, this is a basketball. <laughs> it's got rubber and leather, and he said, the thing about it that's unique is that when you Bounce it on the ground, it comes right back up to your hands again. The, he says, that's the basics. It's a ball. It's got rubber. It's got leather wrapped around it. And when it's inflated correctly, you throw it to the ground, and it comes right back up again. It's the most basic part of basketball, is the ball itself. And I think sometimes in our walk with Jesus Christ, we need to get back to the basics. I've said for years is that it's really a simple thing to know Jesus. He said, I want people to come to me in what? Childlike faith. He didn't say, go get a Ph.D. in you know, biblical theology and then come back and maybe we can have a discussion. Getting back to the very elementary aspects of what it means to walk with Jesus. What are the most basic essentials? We can argue over a lot of stuff, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, whether or not you think you're a pan trip or post-trib, you know, I mean, or whatever, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I, I, I jokingly say I'm a pan-trib. It's all going to pan out in the end. Um, but the reality is, if I'm walking in obedience to Jesus Christ every day, right? Yeah. Follow me? If I'm walking with Jesus every day... Trying to be obedient to the Word of God. Does it really matter where I stand stands You say, well, we can argue those points, and yeah, it does matter. Yeah, it does matter as far as what we believe in our statement of faith. But is it going to change how you live in the morning when you get up? Not really. But we can argue the semantics of theology all day long and all night long, and how many of you are like me? You like a good argument in theology. I, yeah, thank you. There's a couple honest ones of you out there. I enjoy the the, the back and forth discussion, but sometimes it gets a little bit crazy. But sometimes it's just, why? (laughs) Why? It's not going to change how I live tomorrow. But when it comes down to, I'm just thinking in my mind, what what are some of the basics that I will die for, but the basics that I just want to live every day out in my life? And I promise you, we'll get to Acts 13 in just a moment. But I think of salvation there's an essential aspect of salvation is I need to know what it is. And not just so that I know that I'm on my way to heaven, but so that I can clearly teach it to someone else. Right? How about baptism? That's important. Because it's a public identification of what I I say is in my heart and my life. Or how about discipleship? Living it out, you know, a disciple very simply learns everything that his master has to show him. I, th- I think of uh, the show when I was a kid. I used to love, anybody remember, remember wa- watching uh, David Carradine and Kung Fu? Thank you. There's a couple cool you guys out there. You know, he used to come over there and lift up the big, you know, thing of coals and they put the big scorpion or dragon or whatever it was on the inside. Uh, and he, you know, he's always, you know, so calm, cool, and collective and whooped everyone's tails. You know, right, grasshopper. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it's just so funny that he remembered the basics. And he wanted to learn everything that his master could teach him. Right? So that he too goes beyond just becoming a disciple to one who would disciple others. How about just simple obedience? Everyone's got an opinion. I, I want to start just looking at some verses. I want to go back to the basics for about 10, 15 minutes this morning. And I want to challenge all of us that are here this morning to get back to the basics, to live out the essentials, to live out the elementary principles of what it means to know Jesus. Because this is what you need to take to the streets every day. This is what you need to take to the office. This is what you need to live out in your homes. This is what you need to live out. Every we make it complicated, folks. And that was never God's intention. So I want to think of just salvation. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Sorry, guys, I didn't give you these notes because I just kind of came up with them. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, "...that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation." Now think about that just very simply. He says that if you confess with your mouth, there's a, there is a key to saying, Lord, I confess. I want to know you. So well, I believe. So do the devils. Just putting it out there. I want to just ask you, have you ever come to that simple moment in your life that if you say you're a Christian, can you look back and say, there was a moment that I that this tr- verse was true in my life. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead. He says, for with a heart one believes under righteousness, and with a mouth, there's the mouthpiece again. He says, have you ever taken a moment and just say, God, I need you. I'm just telling you, I did not understand this when I was a younger person. I did not understand it. I could say I needed Him, I could say, well, I go to church every week and I read my Bible. I mean, I was that dorky eighth grader that would sit there and read Matthew Henry's commentary in my room rather than watch TV. I was that dorky kid. But the bottom line is I could say that I believe, but what did I know? There had to come a point in my life where I said, Lord, I need you. And I want you to be supreme in my life. And I confess, Father, you are exactly who you say you are. You did exactly what you said you did. You loved me so much that you sent your son to die on a cross to pay a sin debt that I didn't have because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on my own. And if you're here this morning and you say, I got salvation by any other way, you're mistaken. Because the most basic aspect of knowing Jesus is taking a moment saying, God, I believe who you say you are. I believe that you did what you said you did. And I am not worthy, but God, I can repent of my sins and I confess them to you and I ask you to be my Savior. And if you've never done that, there's a good chance that you don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you can't live the life that He's called you to live. You cannot do it. Why? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. In my flesh, I cannot do it. I don't care how strong I think I am, or how wise I think I am, or how how many ever experiences I think I've had. It does not matter. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot live the life that God has called you to live. And it really starts with knowing Jesus. Do you truly know Him? And who can know Him? Verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. And can I just add to that Romans chapter 1 and verse 16? I mean, think about this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So there is this point that once I know Jesus, I shouldn't be ashamed of him any longer that means i'm not afraid that to, to let my neighbors know that i'm a christian i'm not afraid to talk to it about you know about knowing jesus to my coworker. i'm not afraid to express it to my relatives the reality is i'm not ashamed of the gospel it, it changed my life and if you're ashamed of it that's another whole problem but this is the basics of walking with jesus is to know him and to make him known He didn't just save us so that you can present your get out of hell free card. That only happens in in Monopoly and you get $200 for passing go. It doesn't happen in real life. The reality is God said, I want you to know me and to make me known. Paul very clearly says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Are we willing to say that? And not be ashamed of it. And to boldly say, I want to boldly stand for Jesus Christ. Because He is my Savior. That's one of the most basic things that any of us can hold to. How about John chapter 14 and verse 6? Well, you know, Pastor, you know, there's a lot of different churches. There's a lot of different things being said about how one gets to heaven. Yeah, there really is. There's a lot of different things being said. But once again, what man says does not matter. What man says he's experienced does not matter. It only matters what God's word says. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me, comes to the Father except through me. The reality is, we can talk about Jesus any way we want, but when it comes to knowing him, there's only one way. And I can just tell you as I'm sitting up here this morning, being a Baptist ain't going to get you to heaven. Being a Pentecostal ain't going to get you to heaven. Being a church of God, church of Christ, Lutheran, Catholic, Methodist, anything in between, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not going to get you to heaven. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the question then becomes, do I truly know him? That's the basics of the Christian life. You're not a Christian until you put your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. It's amazing how you ask the world, oh, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Everyone's a Christian, especially in the South. Everyone's a Christian. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says go therefore or as you are going make disciples of all nations and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age i have heard people debate this a thousand times in my lifetime you know what the debate is well, then he told the disciples to do that. That's not for every one of us, right? I guess if that's what you want to justify, how you want to justify you not opening your mouth and making disciples, I guess that, that makes you feel good, then go with that one. But that's not what God's Word says. This applies to everyone who knows Jesus. So not only am I not ashamed of the Gospel, he says not only know me, but make me known, but go and teach all people, disciple them, baptize them. One of the things we're talking about on Wednesday nights is telling our story, getting comfortable with talking to your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. What story has God given you that may be unique to you that someone else needs to hear? You know what is a sad reality is that a lot of people in a lot of churches never open their mouth. well, you know it's not my gift. telling your story and being Being somebody who shares the gospel is not a gift, by the way. It's obedience. That's what it is. It's not a gift thing. It's an obedience thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm probably better than most of you in this area. I can come up with a pretty good excuse as to why I don't do it all all the time. I can rationalize it. I can justify it. I can excuse it. I mean, I'm busy, right? I mean, who's not busy? I'm a pastor. I got My phone goes off nonstop all the time. I'm dealing with other believers. Well, God understands that because I'm here all the time and I'm always on the phone with somebody and always spending my time with other believers. He understands why I'm not out there. Right? That's a great justification excuse, right? Come on, tell me the truth. No, it's not. But I'm really good at coming up with a good one. Just like you. None of us have a justifiable excuse, rationalization, anything. Because this is a, an obedience issue, not a gift issue. Let that sink in. It's not a gift issue. It's an obedience issue. And if we're not obedient to God, how can we expect the blessings from God? I mean, do you bless your kids consistently when they consistently don't do what you ask them to do? I know we're not God. Maybe you're a better parent than I am, but I have a hard time saying, hey, clean your room, take out the trash. Oh, Dad, by the way, can I have 10 bucks? No. (laughs) Go do your chores and maybe. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's how we think sometimes. But we do the same thing with God. Only we're not getting 10 bucks. I mean, you get life. You get his love, his kindness, his protection, his provision, his grace, his mercy, His forgiveness, and on and on and on and on. And yet we choose what parts of our Christianity we're going to be faithful and obedient in. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just having a conversation with you. These are the basics. We can get tied up in everything else, but these are the basics. I I think of baptism. Turn back to Acts, chapter 2. Luke, John, Acts. Acts. And look at verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let re- every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the mission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, what's he saying here? You're going to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're going to repent of your sins and be baptized. So, the question is getting back to the basics if you know Jesus, have you been baptized? Well, is it really necessary? I I believe it is. Because the bottom line is, I've said it a thousand times, is baptism is what? A public profession of faith, and it publicly identifies myself with Christ of what has taken place privately in my own life. It says I'm not ashamed. I've shared this story before, but let me share it one more time. I'm sitting in Wayagamal Lake Indian Reservation, and out in the middle of Nowhereville, Hundreds of acres of woods, or hundreds of miles of woods, not acres, miles, in Canada, in bush country. We flew for about an hour over trees, and finally there's this little lake. <laughs> and we landed, it's Wayagamaw Lake. 600 Indians live on that village. And we did what we called, not VBS, but Village Bible School, not Vacation Bible School, but Village Bible School. And it's so funny because I was the first white guy that several of those little kids saw. That was like white, white. And these little Indian kids were looking around the corner looking at me. He's like, he's big. (laughs) You know, looking at me and they were laughing. So we were there for, I think, close to three weeks doing village Bible school. And while we were doing village Bible school in the morning with a handful of kids, there was a Black Black Creek Indian doing revival meetings in the chapel. And there was never more than... 20 or 30 people there at the revival meetings. And he was preaching in two of his native Indian, Ojibwe and Cree, or Black, Blackfoot, whatever it was, Black, Blackfoot. At the end of the week, there were about six or eight people that got saved during that week. Saturday morning, they had baptism at the lake. The entire village found out we're talking 600 people. Every person on that entire island came down to watch the baptism. And you know what those six people did as they went under? You know it. They stood in the water and formed a what? What did Jesus do on the cross? He died, he went under. And what did Jesus do then, three days later? He arose. Six or eight people went down there and publicly identified with Jesus Christ. It was not easy. Because on that island, if you stood for Christianity, you were looked down upon. Jesuit priests had gone in there 60 years early and said never trust a white man's religion. 60 years earlier, they said, if you put your faith in this Jesus Christ the way that they want you to, your whole life will be destroyed. That 60 years of being promoted really made it difficult to minister the gospel there. But for a small group, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and went out and publicly identified with everybody in that entire village that they were now a child of God. What a testimony. It was powerful. But God's Word makes it clear. Once you're in Christ, you're a what? new creation. In fact, in Colossians... Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 12. Actually, let me, let me go up. Yeah, ver- verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh has made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out all the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken us out of the way, and having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What is this? saying? The power of the testimony of, of salvation and then following it in baptism. It is a public profession. It says, I am not ashamed. I stand with Jesus Christ. So as the Ethiopian eunuch said, here is water, what doth hinder you from being baptized? Or hinder me from being baptized? And he says, if you what? Believe you may. So if you know Jesus, if you can point back to a time in your life that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have you also been biblically baptized? Have you made that public profession of faith where you are willing to identify with Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection? Romans chapter 6, verse 1 it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Or some of your tra- translations may say, God forbid that you abuse the grace that He's given to you. How shall He who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into His death, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Look at down verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. What's he saying here? In this testimony, in this public profession, not only am I promoting Jesus Christ in my life with Him, But he goes, I'm also identifying that I'm putting my old man to death. Who I was before Christ has been crucified. I'm a different person now. Think of the basics. Truly knowing Jesus, following him in baptism. What about discipleship? What does 2 Timothy 2.2 remind us of? Second Timothy two two basically has this idea. If you're a faithful man, what do you do with what you know? Tell other faithful men. Who will then tell other faithful men? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will able to be teach others also. Who are you investing in? Who are you investing in as a child of God? Are you a faithful person investing into other faithful people who would then be able to invest in other faithful people? Who are you investing in? I I believe with all my heart, every one of us in this room, if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we're to walk in fellowship and obedience to Jesus Christ, we should have a Paul and a Timothy. Someone older that we're learning from, somebody younger that we're investing in. I can't tell you how many people I call with questions. Older, wiser men. Some pastors, some not. But people who have walked with Jesus for years and years and years and asking them questions and picking their brains and, and saying, hey, what about this? I want to know. What, what is God's word? You know, can, you, can you explain this and help it clarify some things for me? All of us should have somebody older that we're learning from and somebody younger that we're investing in. Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? So I don't have one. Why? That's the basics. That's what God sent us here for. He did not just save us to sit here in this earth and say, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. (laughs) All good. He has more for us than that. And if we're not careful, we'll get busy and wrapped up doing stuff that doesn't matter. We're all guilty of that. Tell your story. I also know this is true too, though. You can't give away what you haven't got. None of us can. If you ask me for a million bucks, well, if I had it, I, I would probably consider helping you. But because I don't have it, I can't give it to you, right? I'm not a millionaire, I'm not a thousandaire, I'm not even a hundredaire. I mean, but the reality is, I can't give what I haven't got. And if I don't have a faith that is real, that is alive and vibrant, one where I'm talking with Jesus and He's talking to me through His Word, if I haven't got it, I can't give it away. Does that make sense? How many are with me? We, we can't give away what we don't have. But that's Second Timothy 2 Timothy too, But that's for preachers and missionaries, you understand. No, it's for all of us. How about Matthew 6.33? Basics. I'm just pulling from my brain of thoughts that I think are part of the basic life of living in Christ. But seek first your wealth. But seek first a really nice house. But seek first a really nice diesel pickup. Got to throw that in there. Seek first a neat hobby. Seek first to give all kinds of fun toys to your grandkids. Seek first fill in the blank. What does Matthew 6.33 say? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <laughs> Think about that. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I have to admit, that's not always the first thing on my in my mind. Why? Because I live in a fallen world. And everybody says you, uh, you know, especially in November and December, you need that new Lexus with the red bow on it. Why? Because they say you need it. Your life will be better if you have it. No. But the reality is, what are we seeking first? What what motivates us? What gets us up in the morning? The fact that you're just going to go to work and make more money, provide for your family? I mean, what is it that motivates us? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Not my own will. Not my own desires not my own flesh, not my own opinions, not my experiences. Those are the things that should not rule us. Anyone else struggle with that? Come on, let's be honest. Thank you, two of you. It's good to know the two of you struggle. My hands, two, two hands and a foot. Um, it's hard sometimes. How about Romans 12.2? I said I was going to get to X 13, we'll see Acts 12.2. And do not be conformed to this world. Ouch. Ouch. Anyone else struggle with that? Inadvertently? Don't even have to try? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know how that happens? Spending time in God's Word. Wow. That you may prove, yes. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You want to know what God's perfect will for your life is? Be transformed by the Word, He'll show you. It goes on, I wasn't going to mention verse 3, but it's right there blaring itself at me. For I say that through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Oh, anybody conceited or thinking too much of yourself that your opinions really matter, that your opinions are better than someone else's, that you, because of your experiences, you know more? Ouch. Watch out. How about John thirteen thirty four and 35? This commandment that He's given to us to love one another. Ouch. By this that all men will know that you're my disciples. By our what? Love for one another. There's a verse in First Corinthians 13 that you've heard it 8,000 trillion times in your life. Love thinks no evil. Have you ever really just fleshed that out? And really thought about what that means. It means when I love someone and they, quote, unquote, offend me, hurt my feelings, say something I don't like. Anybody ever had those things happen before? Yeah, I think every hand, even invisible hands went up on that one. Um, we've all been hurt by what somebody else has done or said, right? What's our first response when that happens? Jerks. I'll take care of it. I'll get. I'll. I'll, I'll yeah, we, we're gonna have it. We're gonna see this one out. I mean, after all, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Yes, but He uses me, and I'm volunteering. <laughs> I'm gonna make it right. I'm gonna see that it gets fixed. Or is our response? Maybe they didn't mean to say it that way. I'm pretty certain that they didn't get all the information. I'm pretty sure that was misconstrued a little bit. That's thinking no evil. They didn't do that on purpose. I know them. They wouldn't do that to me on purpose. Is that our first thought? I have to be honest. That's my second thought sometimes. First thought is like, jerks. And then I go, oh, wait, I'm a preacher. Shouldn't have those thoughts. Oh, wait a minute. It's, preaching has nothing to do with it. I'm a uh, no, no way. I mean, uh, I'm a child of God. I shouldn't have those thoughts. We're all human, and we're going to struggle because our flesh is so stinking strong. anybody we have strong flesh. Some of y'all lying. That's all right. It's between you and God. How about Philippians two, three, and four? These these are basics. This is just everyday stuff if you know Jesus. It's just it's just nothing particular. These aren't for Sunday school teachers. These aren't for pastors. These aren't for missionaries. These aren't for the deacons or elders of the church. This is for all of us. How about Philippians 2, 3, and 4? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Man, you ever know that person? Just everything in life just revolves around them and how, they, how it helps them. I'm not helping unless it helps me. I'm not going there unless I get something out of it. I'm not going to invest my time if it doesn't pay. My goodness, if I could add up the hours, the thousands of hours I've invested in free labor, free help, free counseling, free this, I'd be rich. But that's that why we do it? Or do we do it to be used of God so that God can be glorified and someone else can be strengthened in their walk? Isn't that why we do it? Isn't that why we should do it? I mean, what was the example that Christ gave us? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider Robert to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was willing to humble himself. Let me give you just a couple more. first Peter turn over to first peter uh, two eleven right after the book of James, first Peter two verse eleven. It says, beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evil doers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. He said, guard your testimony and just speak well. He says, abstain from fleshly lust. Ugh. Do I have to turn my eye from that? Do I have to stop listening to that? Do I have to change my computer from that? If you want to walk with Jesus, yeah. It's a choice. It comes down to the basics of knowing Jesus. There's a choice to make. I got 20 more verses. I'm going to give you two more. I'm, I'm serious. I just... I just, I'm just i thinking of just simple truths that sometimes we just overlook because, well, that doesn't apply to me. That's for someone else. How about Acts 24? Turn there just for a moment. Acts 24, verse 6. No, that's not it. Did I really look at it wrong? Let me see here. Maybe it's 16. Yeah, verse 16, I'm sorry. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. Oh, ouch. That hurts. He says, I want to be a man with a clear conscience. Do you have a clear conscience before God and man? You say I might before man, but do you have one before God? Because God knows. And do you know that you can't hide anything from him? Did you know that? That's like a basic principle thing. Psalm 139 says, no matter where you can go, he's there. Hebrews tells us that all things are naked and open before God with whom we have to deal. You can't hide it from God. How many knew that? Thank you. All of us know that we can't hide anything from God. I can hide it from my kids. I can hide it from my employer. I can hide it from my relatives. I can hide it from my neighbors. But I can't hide it from God. There was one thing that I never told my wife when we first got married. One thing. And it just irritated the fire out of me because I didn't want her to know this one thing. Oh, don't get me wrong. It was nothing immoral or nothing nothing that I had done as far as any deep secret sin but it was something I did not want anyone to know and I go to a men's gathering and there's like is your conscience clear is there anything that you're hiding from your wife anything that you're hiding from you know, your friends, relatives, co-workers is there anything that you're hiding and that just began to eat at me so I went home and I told her the one thing I didn't want anybody to know And I'm not saying it, by the way. (laughs) None of your business. (laughs) But I went home and I said, now there's nothing between us. There's not one thing in my life that you don't know about. We are one. My conscience is clear. You can look at my phone. You can look at my computers. You can look at anything I got. There's nothing hidden between us. Some of you men need to do that. Some of you need to clear your conscience. He makes it very clear here. This being so, I myself always strive. Means he works hard at it. To have a conscience without offense. I have a clear conscience towards God and man one more Galatians 6 turn over there sorry I lied please forgive me I lied and said we're going to get into Hebrews I mean Acts we're not going to unless you want to be here for another hour then we can but uh, Galatians I won't do that to you and you don't want me to do that to you so Galatians 6 9 and 10. He says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. What's the assumption with that first phrase? That you are what? What? Yeah, you're doing something. There, there's just an assumption that right away in the very first phrase, that there, don't be weary in doing good because I'm assuming that you're doing good. Don't be weary in doing that. Why? For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You say, well, I've done my turn. I, I didn't know there were turns. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, everybody, I was, I've, I've been pastoring for 10 years. Someone else's turn, I'm done. And happens. Go ahead, feel free to quit. You, you took a turn, quit. Maybe God doesn't want you to quit. Sometimes God just wants you to be faithful. It's not about retiring. Sometimes it's about retreading. You know, when I g- lived in Indiana for several years in South Bend, there was a place called Bandag. Anybody heard of Bandag tires? Nobody's heard of Bandag? Seriously? You are uninformed. Bandag Racing Tires, ah, there we go, now you probably heard it. Bandag Racing Tires were known for one thing, they're retreads. And they're great tires. There's a huge monster corporation in South Bend, and what they do is retread tires. They're retreads. Most people don't like retreads. You know, they they could fall apart. Well, they use them in the racing industry. They're in the, you know, in the... Um, you know, funny car races and all that—they're they're bandags. They're great tires, they're slicks, but they'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll use them till there's hardly any rubber on them. Then they go back through an entire process. They re- retread them. What am I saying? Sometimes we get worn out. It's not a sign to retire. It's a sign to retread, repurpose, restructure, rest, move on. There was something in our text this morning, Acts chapter 13, I get a little irritated about every time I read it. Literally every time I read it, it just fires me up. And this is the only thing I'm going to mention because it's not part of my text next week. And I'll close. Acts 13. That's the wrong way, there we go. 13 and verse 13. I think, let me find it, there it is says, now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, and we remember hearing what Paphos was all about, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, referring to John Mark, departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. Amen. Say, I missed it. Most of us would. But it said that John Mark departed and returned to Jerusalem commentary after commentary says well he quit he quit but later in scripture we find out just a few chapters later that he rejoined the ministry and there became a sharp argument between paul and barnabas about who was going to go with who in ministry paul chose silas to go with him and do ministry and barnabas chose chose john mark Remember who Barnabas is? He's the son of encouragement. He's the encourager. He says, I'll take John, Mark. No problem. But you know what Scripture doesn't tell us anywhere in the entire Bible? Why John departed and went to Jerusalem? Maybe he had a bone spur. Maybe he had plantar fasciitis wearing no sandals. I don't know. Maybe he had a backache. Maybe he just wanted his own sort of sort of certified sleeper at home. I don't I don't know. I have no idea why he went back to Jerusalem. God's word doesn't tell us and people argue about it all the time. I ain't taking John Mark. He's a quitter. Maybe the dude was just tired. I don't know about you, but that was a different day and age. I mean, we go to, you know, town 30 miles away, and you're going to find a hojo to sleep in, right? Well, that's not, they don't have Howard, Johnson, Howard Johnson's anymore. It's Hampton or whatever, right? You're going to find a motel because you want to be comfortable. And you're going to get there in your AC vehicle. And when you get there, you're going to, you know, find a hotel that's close to a nice restaurant, right? Yeah, they didn't have that in the Ro- Roman Road. They didn't have that in Antioch. They didn't have the Antioch Inn. Just come on in, you know, we'll leave the light on you, like Tom Bodette says. Not present, wasn't there. Doesn't tell us why he quit. Maybe he's just flat out tired. Anybody get tired? But for a moment he took time and went to Jerusalem. And then he rejoined, and Second Timothy tells us that John Mark was profitable for me in ministry. Maybe the rest is what he needed. Maybe going home for a spell is what he needed, and that's just a free part because that's not even part of my X13 message. So it's here nor there, but the basics. Sometimes we just need to get back to the basics. This every day walking with Jesus. The simple things. Know that you're saved. You walked in obedience to to baptism you're involved in discipleship. you got a Paul and you got a Timothy and you're telling your story and you're seeking first the kingdom of God and you're not conforming to the things of this world and you love your neighbor as yourself and you're abstaining from all sinfulness and, and, and you're humbling yourself and you've got a clear conscience and I'm just going to stay faithful in doing what God has called me to do. Th- those are the basics. You don't need to go to Bible college to get that. You don't need to go to a Bible institute to learn that. It's just simply... Reading your word and, and praying and saying, God, help me live for you every day. But if we're not careful, we can major on minors and, and spend our time worrying about things that don't matter and don't count. Spend your time wisely. Don't be conformed to the world. The world's going crazy if you haven't noticed. Anybody pick up on this yet? Maybe y'all need to like quit looking at the news like I did. I don't know. There's got to be a better way. But we need to get back to the basics. Anybody agree? Yeah. Just live it out daily. And you can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Well, I didn't mean to like not get in my notes at all, but that's there. we're out of Acts this morning. We'll be in Acts again next week, Lord willing. Let's pray. Lord, we admit, we confess that we're distracted. Often times by Lord our own desires, our own flesh, our own interests, things that we want to do, things that please our kids. Lord, there's so many things that distract us, so many things that vie for our attention, things that vie for our finances, things that vie for our skills. And Lord, if we're not careful, we begin to live and operate in the flesh rather than the Spirit. God, forgive us for that. And I pray, dear Father, that you would help us to truly get back to the basics of things, to know that we're saved, and to not be ashamed of that. Like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Lord, help us not to be ashamed. Help us to live it out, to stand up boldly and courageously for the truth. God, I pray that you'd help us in all these things, Lord, to know we're saved, to follow you in a baptism, to walk in obedience, to willing to be discipled and to disciple others. These are the basics. And I pray, God, that lord i confess to you i'm good at making excuses i can justify as good as anyone why i don't do certain things or why i did do other things but god help us to remove excuses help us to remove anything lord that would hinder and distract us from walking in fellowship with you Lord, would you work in our hearts this morning, Lord, to get back to these basic things. So, Lord, help us. So simple, yet so hard at times. And what makes it hard is our flesh. We want what we want. When we want it. As often as we want it. For as long as we want it. We want what we want. So, God, help us to be emptied of our flesh. Because, God, we can't do this without you. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And as I ask every week, how would God have you to respond to what you heard? How would God have you to respond? Are there some things that need to change? Are there some areas that you need to get back to? Starting with reading your Bible and praying. And talking with Jesus, just walking with Jesus. Say, Pastor, if I'm honest with myself, I need to get back to some basics. God's challenged me. God's convicted me this morning. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. Yes. Yes, all over the auditorium. Anyone else say, Pastor, that's me. I need to work on some things. By God's grace, with His help, some things need to change. Anyone else? Many of you have raised your hands. Many of you are nodding your heads. Can I just challenge those of you who are challenged to just take a moment and pray right there where you're at? James reminded us that once again, to him that knows to do right doesn't do it, it's sin. So God, forgive me for these areas of sinfulness. God, forgive me for not telling my story or seeking you first or conforming to the things of the world for not loving others, for not being humble, from not abstaining from sinful, whatever it may be, you know what it is. You and God know what the struggle is. He knows what distracts. He knows what areas of your flesh get in the way. Just Just confess it. And God's Word says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse, but our responsibility is to confess and forsake. Just talk with God. In these moments he will listen. When you confess he will forgive. These are the basics. Let's all stand with as we close together. Lord Jesus, I pray God that you'd work in our hearts to draw us closer to You. Lord, these are things that we've known for years and years and years. We've heard them dozens and dozens of times. And yet they're just simple truths that You call us to live by. And yet, God, our flesh gets in the way. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive our church. Forgive all of us, Lord, as we confess these things to You, Lord. We know they're not right. We know we need to change. God, we also know that our flesh is so strong. God, fill us with your Spirit and help us, Lord, to do what we cannot do apart from you. We want to bring glory to you in all that we say and do. So, Lord, as we come before you, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would be with each one who raised their hand their heart towards you this morning. I ask, dear Father, Lord, that you would allow them to walk in victory. Allow me, Lord, to see victory in these areas this week. Lord, I desire to, to please you in all these things. But Lord, I also know that my flesh is strong. So Lord, I pray for all of us as we come together in this local assembly in this body of believers and Lord, those even watching online, Lord, that you would grant victory this week and boldness and courage to stand up for truth and righteousness and holiness and to represent you and to reflect you well. Lord, I know that many of us in our agendas are so busy fighting the darkness And we're not reflecting the light. God, help us this week to reflect light. Help, Lord, your light to prevail. And be with each one of us, Lord, as we commit these things to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.